0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs, co-host TJ Inman. Uh, we'll be in shortly. We're talking IU Northwestern uh, today. What uh, What going into this game does IU need to do to win uh, what do they, you know, how big is this game in the grand scheme of things? Uh, can they still go bowling, uh, even if they lose this week? Uh, now we welcome in uh, TJ Inman. TJ, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, Sammy, yeah. Uh, like you said, it's um very interesting game this week. I mean, we're, you know, we're diehards, and a lot of people listening to this show are diehards, so every week is very interesting. But uh, this one in particular just has a lot of things that – um I think there's a lot of intrigue surrounding it because of kind of where IU is and what they're about to enter into. Uh, You know, you had games against Ohio State and Nebraska, top ten teams that you felt like Indiana could compete with, but you weren't. uh, I I know that we all really thought and I know that we think uh, Nebraska was a a uh, very winnable game, and it was. It was a game Indiana should have won. Really, after it was, you you have to think that way. But uh, Northwestern's a team that, you know, they're they're three and three, just like Indiana is. But uh, they're as confident as a three and three team can possibly be, uh, heading into this. And then, but but they're really in the same place Indiana is, where, you know, a win gets you to four and three, to where you're feeling incredibly confident about your chances to make a bowl game uh, with the games remaining on your schedule of loss means, yeah, we can still go bowling if we win the games that we're going to be favored in, but we now have basically no margin for error. So uh, it's a really interesting game because both teams are in such similar places.
1: Yeah, I agree uh, with that, that, you know, both teams being at, at, at 500, uh, but you know, they got there different ways. Uh, Northwestern is yeah. coming off of impressive victories on the road against Iowa, uh, where they won 38-31. Uh, and at Michigan State, who's in a, um, a death spiral right now, uh, they beat the Spartans 54-40, to 40, uh, which I haven't gone back to look at that game yet. Um, but it, after seeing the first two or three, uh, Two and a half Northwestern games. I'm in the middle of the Duke game right now. Uh, them putting up 54 on Michigan State is, is really impressive. And, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the difference is in, um, in the Northwestern offense. But right now, it just seems like Justin Jackson, a running back that, uh, especially you, TJ, but uh, as a site, we have been uh, gung-ho on uh, the entire offseason and heading into the season. He's uh, leading the Big Ten in rushing, and then you have Austin Carr, who, um, a man of many talents, uh, is leading uh, leading receiver in the Big Ten, and that's that's quite impressive when you look at the the receivers that the Big Ten has this year. Um, and, and I don't think that you know anybody would have thought that Austin Carr would be leading the the uh, conference in receiving after just six games.
0: No, I that's been as big of a surprise as, as I think you'll find. Um, you know, like you said, Justin Jackson is not a surprise. He's the guy that, uh, uh, you know, we projected on our first team, all Big Ten team. I, I know that – I don't know who else picked it, but I, I picked him as the offensive player of the year in the Big Ten. Um, what he's doing is not a surprise to me. The surprise was that he started out the season kind of slow. And I, I watched uh, – Each of Northwestern's games this year, um, uh, he did not look 100% healthy to me at the start of the season, Uh, lacked some explosiveness, lacked some shiftiness that we typically see in him. Uh, These last two weeks, they've kind of, I I don't think that anything has necessarily changed scheme-wise. I'm sure there have been some tweaks. But uh, they've executed better, obviously. And I think that Justin Jackson has been a big difference because he looks a lot more explosive. He looks like the Justin Jackson we thought we'd see coming into the year. Uh, these past two games, he has been over 170 yards in both of them, and he's averaging more than seven yards a carry. And uh, you know what stands out with this offense is it really is a, a true feature-back offense. There's not going to be a lot of rotation at that running back spot. It's going to be Justin Jackson getting the ball probably uh, somewhere in the range of 30 carries, and he'll probably get a couple of receptions as well. They try to get him 30 to 35 touches, uh, and it's understandable why. Um, uh, For me, that's kind of my my first key is containing Northwestern's big two is is Justin Jackson and Austin Carr. Uh, Carr is a guy that uh, he doesn't look the part of the Big Ten's Top wide receiver, and I, he's not the most talented wide receiver in the Big Ten. I think uh, I think that there are a handful of players that just, you know, when you watch the game, they look to be more talented than Austin Carr. But he catches everything. I mean, I, I have not seen him drop hardly anything yet this season. Uh, if it's around him, he's making the catch. He's listed at six one. He looks a little bit bigger than that. Uh, He's got a strong, um, He scored at least one touchdown in five straight games, and he's coming off of the two best games that he's played uh, so far. He had uh, 130 yards with two scores against Iowa, and uh, 73 with three scores against, I'm sorry, three touchdowns against Iowa, and then two scores against Michigan State. Uh, He's leading the Big Ten in pretty much every statistical receiving category uh, that's you know, meaningful. So it's not a fluke at this point. I mean he's he's not just a one or two game, you know, one hit wonder. He's uh he's really good and it's gonna be interesting to see how Indiana defends him. I would guess the Richard Fant's gonna be on him for most of the game. I think you'll see Ashawn Riggins rotate in there some. Uh they don't really have that many other standout wide receivers. Flynn Nagel's their 2nd leading receiver, and he's got 16 catches. And then Macon Wilson, is uh, he's got nine catches, and he's kind of more of a deep threat. But they don't, they don't go vertical all that often with the passing game. It's a lot of slant patterns, a lot of out patterns. Uh, and yeah, basically, it's, it's Austin Carr doing a tremendous job of getting a little bit of separation, and then if the ball's thrown near him, he makes the catch. Uh, Clayton Thorson, I I don't think he's anything better than. I think at his best he's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I think he is a lot more confident, and obviously you know, you're going to gain confidence when you win at Iowa, and uh, and win at Michigan State putting up numbers the way that they did, but I I still don't think he's really all that that good of a quarterback. Um, I, I do think that it's a little bit smoke and mirrors the, the 54 points that they had, the 38 points against Iowa was largely due to them being incredibly efficient with their scoring chances. Uh, every time that they had a chance on five of those uh, six scoring chances. So, um, which, you know, that matters. And that's, I'm not taking away from that victory, but uh, the Michigan State game was the first one where yardage-wise they've really exploded, uh, but the, the the first key for me is going to be limiting Justin Jackson and Austin Carr. You're not going to stop them completely. Nobody's done that yet, and as improved as Indiana defense is, I don't expect them to do that, but what you need to do is prevent Northwestern from, number one, being able – You know, you want to get them behind the chains a little bit so that they can't just hand it to Justin Jackson 35 times on Saturday. Uh, If Indiana can limit those carries because they get them behind the chains with negative plays on first or second down, that'll be big. And if you can force Clayton Thorson to throw to someone other than Austin Cook consistently, then I I like Indiana's chances to hold Northwestern's offense in check.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And and going back to Clayton Thorson, um, looking at his splits, you know, and wins he's – throwing the ball 104 times and, and completing 63 passes and losses 100 um, while completing 56. And, you know, it's not much of a difference in his play there other than maybe they take a, a few more shots down the field. Um, they average a full yard more per attempt uh, in their wins, but it's you know, me, he's a guy who's going to manage the game. He might, you know, take off at this feet a couple of times, but he's not a guy they're going to throw the ball, um, you know, 40 to 45 times with and just sling it downfield. Down they, they've only attempted um, – he's only attempted 204 passes in six games, uh, and it, that's 34 throws a game. That's not – that's about average, um, I, I believe, uh, for college football. But you're right, it's going to be a, a heck of a matchup. Um, for the defense to stop uh, Justin Jackson you're going to have uh, and IU did a good job of this last week was limiting Nebraska's run game and forcing Tommy Armstrong to throw downfield and yeah. um, you know and, and we saw it was almost a wing and a prayer with Tommy Armstrong and making Clayton Thorson throw downfield might be the best way to beat them as well so you know T. Gray Scales and Marcus Oliver are going to have their work cut out for them uh, running around covering um the the running backs and, and the short uh, receiving routes and then you know you hopefully uh Richard Fant is 100% after tweaking his ankle on Saturday um yeah. he looked okay uh, coming back but uh you know the who knows the thing could swell up after the game um and, and we, you know we haven't heard anything official but um you, you expect Fant who's who's played outstanding football this year um, to to cover Carr and have A'shaun Riggins uh, cover another receiver and then, you know, flip if, if you're on different sides of the field or, or, or so. Because that's what they've been doing. They, they've been having yeah uh, Fant, about, or Fant at one side and, and Riggins on the other and, and not switching on receivers. So, you know, we'll see. If Fant's healthy, that, that'll that be a heck of a matchup to watch. Probably one of the better matchups um, to see overall. I'm – P.J., my, my first key to the game is, I uh, you know, got to get the run game going for IU. Um, yeah. You know, it, we, we've still got no real update on Dan Feeney. Now, Wilson, you know, basically has said he's been doing more for now for four weeks. Uh, he's traveled with the team to Ohio State. He was with the team during the walk uh, last week against Nebraska, which he wasn't uh, when they were playing Michigan State and Wake Forest. So, now, how he's progressing is is anybody's guess uh, outside of the doctors and the team. They need this run game going. They need to get the Vine Redding going. They finally scored a touchdown on the ground uh, with a non-Wildcat look, uh, although it's kind of a, a gadget play. Uh, but they, yeah. this is a different defensive line. It's not, you know, one of your traditional big boy defensive lines like Nebraska, uh, Ohio State, Lake Forest, or Michigan State. This, um, you'd think that IU would have a little bit more success uh, against Northwestern and, and really get it going and and you know loosen up that um, loosen up that defense and, and make it easier uh, on the on the passing game as well and. Maybe if you see more balance, you'll see uh, a, a little bit better uh, consistency out of Richard Lego.
0: But yeah, Northwestern's run defense is a really interesting case study. Um, in you know which one is it? Uh, kind of two-faced, if you will. They uh, they were pretty good against uh, against Iowa and Michigan State really good against Iowa, 1.9 yards per carry on 41 rushes. Michigan State was 2.2 yards per carry, but Michigan State's game plan in that game was was really kind of bizarre. They barely gave any touches to their running backs and just kind of abandoned the running game altogether and decided to chuck it. Uh, I guess because they, they fell behind, but uh, it was still kind of weird to see Michigan State not really, even try to give the ball to L.J. Scott or uh, or Gerald Holmes. I I didn't understand what they were doing, but uh, that's what they did. Northwestern's rushing defense stats, as a result, looked pretty good from that game. But I the Iowa game, it was impressive. Iowa did try to run the ball, 41 carries, and and they they were unable to to move it much at all under two yards to carry, that's really good no matter who you're playing or what they're trying to do Um, but then a little bit earlier in the year you know, just the week before that Nebraska ran for more than 300 yards and uh, then you had Western Michigan early in the season, which Pat Fitzgerald, uh, this week Northwestern's coach, noted he was asked a question this week about early in the season this is where we are now so he's you know, attempting to to say that early season stuff doesn't matter. The team is so much different now, and and that could be entirely true. It's looked like it the last two weeks. So, um,
1: and that's, yeah, it, that I, was I, a funny I, game against Western Michigan too, where you know Northwestern yeah, yeah. essentially had the game won. They'd scored a touchdown. Thorston fumbled into the end zone. It was recovered by Northwestern. It was kept in bounds by a Western Western Michigan player. It um, yeah. recovered by a Northwestern player. It should have been either a Northwestern ball from the spot of the um, the or spot of the um, but Western Michigan's uh, player kept all bounds for whatever. reason Instead of letting it go out and, and getting a touchback, so you know even though there was a holding penalty on the call, Northwestern I believe one at the time is like twenty two twenty one or um, or twenty three something. Something, uh, that. and then you know, you know, you could almost play game out the window in terms of it being, I mean, they only state, um, you know, that you saw it just, a game in terms of you know, misfield extra points, uh, you know, those first two games, Pat Fitzgerald, but you throw them out the window, and look what they have now. Um, you know they're they're giving up uh 3.7 yards per carry they've given up 840 yards and nine touchdowns on the ground this year Um I, I think Um, unless that's totally uh, something else I'm looking at but you know it, it's this is a defense that IU should be able to run on uh even with a banged up offensive line you still have uh, a lot of veterans um and a lot of talent on that deep, on that offensive line although Northwesterns, this is what concerns me uh, the most tj is they have 16 sacks in uh totaling for 111 yards it's led by um I-Fidi, uh what is it Odena uh, o- it odenage um that guy um, of course, he has yeah, to be leading yeah. the team in sacks. Um, he's very good. And then you know you all you still have Anthony Walker Jr. Um, and some guys yep. in the secondary. Even though I think they're without Matthew Harris uh, for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, I think he hurt his knee or leg against Illinois State, so that's a huge loss for them. But uh, that the defense end and Anthony Walker uh, Jr. are is good as good get in the ten, and that's concerning. How are they going to stop this pass rush um, and, and stop Anthony Walker? Because those two could wreck the game. Um, you, you've seen uh, Lego have issues with the pass rush in in the past a little bit in terms of he spins out and instead of throwing the ball away out of bounds, he'll take a sack or try and force a throw that turns into an interception. So uh, to me, handling that rushing uh, defensive line and they walk. Junior is going to be huge. Um, Their safety, uh, Godwin, he is good as well. He has four tackles for a loss. Um, So this defense is an attacking defense, and and it's going to be tough. So have a run game, uh, you know, a traditional run game. Now, you know, we'll probably see uh, Xander Diamant get some um, some carries in there as well to try and offset this rush. But having a balanced attack is is going to be absolutely key for IU uh, to come out of this with a win.
0: Primer that will be out later this week, uh, finding the IU offense we know and love, um, which is a, a balanced attack. You know, I know that a lot of people uh, outside of Wilmington or outside of the Big Ten uh, think of Indiana as Kevin Wilson past happy offense. We know better. We know that it – you know – really relies on that running game and what has been a really good running game for pretty much as long as, uh, as Dan Feeney has, has been on that IU offensive line and he's a big miss. We're we're definitely hoping they get him back. And if they do uh, this week, you know, you feel good about the Indiana running game being able to rebound and, and do a little bit better, uh, you know, so far these past two weeks it was uh, – See 2.5 yards against Ohio State, 2.9 yards against Nebraska. That's just not good enough. Um, so, yeah, Northwestern could be vulnerable against the run. They've proven to be vulnerable against the pass. Uh, the secondary not near as good as it was last year. Uh, Michigan stayed through for 424 yards, and then Tommy Armstrong and C.J. Bether didn't have huge yardage days. Although it looked like in that Nebraska game. Armstrong could have if Nebraska, you know, didn't have such success running the ball. Uh, but they had efficient days, which, you know, we've we've seen our Tommy Armstrong in person, and I, you know, efficiency is not something that that he's going to do against a really strong secondary. Uh, so I, I think that there's going to be a big opportunity for Indiana to to throw the ball. I I hope that they challenge them vertically with Ricky Jones, with Nick Westbrook, maybe with Donovan Hale or Kameon Patrick, uh, you know, but I, I hope that they, they do test out that vertical passing game, which maybe what you have to do is hit some vertical passes to open up the defense and use your passing game to get the running game going because right now the confidence in the running game is not there. I, I'd like to see the offense come out, be aggressive to start the game, and then after that see if you can run the ball uh, against a soft up defense if you hit them for a couple of big plays through the passing game. Um, I, I know that that's not what they've been doing so far. They've been starting the games with conservative play calling, but I, it hasn't worked recently. Uh, I, I think you can certainly understand it against Ohio State and helped keep them in the game. Uh, and I you, know, you might say that uh, that – Conservative play calling shortened the game for you and helped you be in it in the fourth quarter and give you a shot. So I, that's invincible. I understand that. The same can be said for Michigan State, and it ended up working out there if uh, the offense got going in the second half, and you were you were still in it because you would shortened the game. So I understand it, but against Nebraska, it didn't work. Um, yeah, your offense was far too conservative for far too long in that game. So I'd like to see them come out vertically test this Northwestern secondary, which has proven to be vulnerable. They do have some playmakers, as you mentioned, and uh, the pass rush is a concern. But I think you need to try to trust, trust that passing game, see if you can soften up the defense, and then hit them with, some, uh, with the running game after that. So see if the passing game can open up the running game, which is not typically what you see happen. But I think it could be a philosophy that might pay dividends for Indiana against the Northwestern defense. Uh, obviously, if Dan Feeney's back, maybe that changes things, and you say, all right, we got our offensive line leader back, the best player on our offense is back, let's use him, let's run to that right side, see if we can get that going. But if Feeney's not back, I'd like to see that strategy in Ford try out the vertical passing game, and then go to the running game from there.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, get your play calling against us and Nebraska um, and in the game, because I mean, it, it just you know, whatever the score looks a lot better as uh, what they were, than you know, immediately being down 24 nothing and going through and out, and i um, you know, just chucking the ball. But Northwestern's have more of a matchup opponent uh, on similar levels. This is a team you should be evenly with, uh, it is on the road. But you know, I better than Northwestern. Um, and, and you're right. Take a few shots downfield. Open the playbook up, and uh, see what you know. See what you could do. Uh, you know, if if you come out and run the ball, for field goals. To be Northwestern, um, especially when Kevin Wilson brought up that Griffin Oaks has issues kicking on grass. Great. Now you have a head case of a kicker who is playing on grass, spent the last weeks trying to practice on grass um, in in a stadium that's tricky to kick field goals, right at the lane uh, where wigs could be going. um, Like any – put put the onus on him. You're right, I'd like to see some deep throws. Ricky Jones needs to to um, continue doing what he's doing. I like the shot they took uh, down uh, against Nebraska on that drive when they, they got down nine again, and then they got aggressive, and it, and it worked. Kind of like the Colts. Man, it is kind of like the Colts where you, know, you see the offense up pace takes down, and it works. So I think it was a three- or four-play drive and boom end zone. Um, do more, you know. It's easier to say do more of that, and it'll work. They got to get Westbrook back involved. Um, he's been kind of missing the last couple weeks in terms of uh, of getting consistently in big plays. Trust, put your trust. In Lego to the ball downfield. If he throws an interception, okay, whatever. It's like a punt. Um, he got really bad they don't just, He misses a lot of wide open throws, um, and he tries to fit the ball into windows where maybe um, against teams like Ohio State and Michigan State, and, and they really do, but without their top defensive back. Um, Northwest you can get away with more of those. Just get the ball to your playmakers, Loosen up this. Use your running backs. And I'd for i I'd like to see more like Jet and Dante Williams in the back. Um, hopefully Cole Guest is back this week. Um, we haven't heard anything new from him either. He has the whole, just looked like the you know, Devine is a nice running back. He's a nice compliment to Jordan, Jordan- Calling, but I I just have seen that that future back. Um, that we were all worried about which divine reading we were going to get here, and we get the uh, against um, Penn State. He's not explosive enough to get to um, the holes, and and especially with the holes being here for a limited time without Dan Feeney and without the major need that burst so i would like to see um, if you're going to try the same run plays on the outside i'd like to see you do it with with Devontae williams who has some explosiveness and uh mike Majet and and uh, for the love of all that is good can we get mike Midget on a couple screen passes um and, and block from because those plays for most of the season um when they're set up well so you know sprinkling in, do something that doesn't, you know, make the IU fan want to bash their head in against the wall and go, this is the same stuff we've tried for the last weeks uh, and it's not working, so you know, I think it's up to the the IU offense um, offensive coaching staff, come up with a game plan that's a little different uh, and and take a few risks, because this, game, if you win, you're in good shape to get six or seven wins, if you lose, you're still in good shape for six, but you're going to go into, you know, start the second half of your season with a loss. You fall below uh, 500. You're one and three, uh, and you come home and play a, a Maryland team who's who's improved this year. Um, and uh, you know, the last time into Memorial Stadium, they uh, handed uh, Indiana their their rear end. So, uh, you know, to me, play like there's no tomorrow. You know who. You're no longer playing – the only real big, big boy on the, on the uh, schedule left is Michigan you have to show something on tape to win this game. You've got to do it. And um, if that's using Xander um, or doing something funky with the running backs, I- I'm okay with it.
0: I, yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think we're both in line that aggressiveness on the offensive side of the ball – just in general, um, you know, whether that's some gimmick play calls, whether that's some trick plays, I, you know, I'm not saying that needs to be the case. Uh, maybe it ends up being that if you, if you find something in practice that uh or in the film room that you think is going to work against Northwestern, great. But I think just aggressiveness in general from the offense uh, would be great to see this Saturday because I, I feel like the Northwestern defense, while solid, Uh, is nowhere near what they were last year. And I I think that there's an opportunity for Indiana's offense to kind of have a breakout performance on Saturday. Um, And I personally think that if they do have a a pretty solid day, uh, solid to good, I I think would be – I feel like with Indiana's defense, it would be enough to get the job done in Evanston. Um, I I do think that the offense is – not that far away from having a big day. Um, I'm not suggesting that they are, you know, one or two plays away from scoring 50 points. No, I'm not suggesting that. But I do no, think but this that is, it's, they're it's, this not, not that the far Xander... away from.
1: Yeah, it's not the Xander but... run 2014 offense where you had to, in order to score a touchdown, either get an interception inside 20 and and run a reverse with Shane when it's an offense where if you just clean up a few things and, you know, maybe make a few, uh, uh, some better play calls and and be a little bit more aggressive that you could put up 30 points or 35 points and maybe even 40 points.
0: Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at too. I I think it's an offense that can score in the thirties, which, you know, with this defense, playing the way that it is, you feel pretty solid about your chances to win the game if you get in the 30s, um, or at least be right there. It, it doesn't have to be an offense that scores 50 points to win a game. It would be awesome if they did, if they scored 50 points, but it, it doesn't have to happen that way. Uh, I think that, you know, like you said, just cleaning up a few things. Uh, I think more aggressive play calling. I think that you know, you, you feel that way also. That doesn't mean... You know, oh, it's fourth and five at the 45-yard line. Let's chuck it to the end zone. No, I, not, not that aggressive, but, you know, more vertical passing, um, you know, more screen passes, more I, – I don't know if – I don't feel like criticizing Devine Redding for uh, – I don't think he's played poorly. I'll say that. I don't think Divine Redding has played poorly. He has not been great but I think a lot of it is on uh, number one, like you said, there's just a lack of explosiveness there for him. That's just the limitation that it appears he has. Uh, And number two, I I just don't think that he's being put into uh, situations where he can be that successful because the holes aren't there. And the plays that are being called when he's getting the handoff are typically in kind of predictable situations. So, you know, changing up some of the predictability of the offense, You know, maybe more first down throws. They don't have to be deep first down throws. Indiana's proven to be pretty effective on bubble screens and tunnel screens. Uh, they've proven to be pretty effective on short slants, particularly to Mitchell Page or Ricky Jones, uh, where the receivers have an opportunity to get the ball four or five yards downfield and make a play. Uh, things like that on first down as opposed to you know, a stretch play to Divine Redding or a halfback dive to Divine Redding. Um, and, again, this, this talk of changing things, maybe the change in the offense is Dan Beanie comes back and the offensive line suddenly performs a lot better because of how good he is. And then, you know, you can go back to, to being a power running team on first down. That's fine if that happens. But right now, that's not what you have. So for as long as Anthony's not there, still not working, then you've got to change things up because continuing to try to run the ball on first down with just plays up the middle has not worked for the offense and has put them into bad situations on third down to where then you're forced into low percentage throws and you're not converting on third down, you're not converting on fourth down when you go for it, uh, and then you're you're not uh not producing as an offense the way that we feel like they should be capable of, so we'll see what the offensive game plan is, and I think uh I think that's gonna go a long way toward determining the outcome of the game.
1: Are we back? I hear you, yeah. All right, we're back. Uh, we apologize, folks, for the delay. Hopefully we didn't lose all our uh, listeners. Uh, we've had some Internet issues uh, over here at um, at Hoosier Huddle. Uh, so anyway, um, we were talking about uh, Divine Redding, how he's running hard. His effort is good. Um, his <laughs> attitude is good. But it's just not there he's not getting the help that he needs he's not getting the blocking he needs uh and he's not getting the play calling he needs uh tj you're 100 percent right in terms of you know opening up this running game with the pass not having people stack the box and, and just softening it up so maybe he could turn these one and two yard runs into three or four yard runs and, and set himself up for success
0: yeah yeah i, I think um I think I'm not sure what all what all people heard or what got cut off or dropped, but uh, yeah, I I I made some excellent points on my own. I was talking to myself, Um, but I I think I think it's important for the offensive staff and the game plan to reflect that you know this is. I know it's nice to say next man up um, and have that philosophy, but. the the play calling that you would have with Dan Feeney in your lineup cannot be the same that you have with we've seen, you know, I I think it's, I'd love to see uh, on first down, I'd love to see some uh, different play calling as opposed to putting divine Redding into halfback dives or halfback stretch plays that are not working the same as when you had Dan Feeney on that offensive line. Now, if, if Dan Feeney's back, you know, I'm fine with, trying to be that power running team on first down and see how it goes I'm fine with that and if it doesn't work again you know it's still not working even with him back then you you go away from it but uh, if he's not back on Saturday I'd really love to see first down feature more screen passes or uh, short bubble screens, tunnel screens to Page or Jones or Westbrook Uh, maybe Camion Patrick that's a way to get him involved Uh, you know quick slants We've seen that be successful with Mitchell Page and Ricky Jones as well. Uh, we saw Nick Westbrook take one to the house against Wake Forest. I'd love to see them try some different things on first down to get them ahead of the chains as opposed to, you know, be stuck in third and medium, third and long all day, which is just not a recipe for success. So um, it's up to the offensive offensive staff and the game plan to kind of adjust for the fact that what's what's – What has worked in the past on offense with the terrific offensive line is not really working right now. And until you get Dan Feeney back or until you prove otherwise, you need to, you need to switch things up.
1: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And it goes back to, you know, the definition of insanity is, you know, how many times do you have to go back to the well to figure out it's not working? So, um, Taking deep shots is, is, is uh, another key uh, to this game. Uh, special teams-wise, TJ, we haven't talked about special teams in a, in, in a while as, as a unit, um, not just Griffin Oaks. But Solomon Vault for uh, Northwestern <laughs> is a heck of a returner. He's averaging yep. over 30 yards a kick return. Took one to the house last week against Michigan State. Um, he's just a dangerous weapon that they have. And then on the flip side, Indiana's got to get something going in their kick return game. I thought Devontae Williams uh, returned the the ball pretty well against Ohio State. Uh, They just had better athletes on special teams where, you know, if he had hit that second gear against, uh, you know, lesser competition, maybe he breaks one for longer. But he, you know, he got the ball out past the 25 a lot of the times last week it just wasn't there you know the the offense who's dying for points right now is starting inside the 20 uh most of the time when when the returns coming out and it's just it's just not good for business if you're trying to jump start an offense is starting uh behind the behind the eight ball uh and not taking it uh, at the 25 uh, if it goes into the end zone so uh to me the kick return game uh, you know, this is where Colt Guest was, was pretty good. He was fearless. He was quick um, to get to the ball and, and make a decision and go where uh Devonte Williams, I don't know why, what was happening last week. Maybe it was the stiff wind that, that they were kicking into, but he looked like he would take a, a false step and then go. And, and by the time he made that decision, uh the, the coverage team was, was down there and, and he got lit up a couple of times Um with that and in terms of uh, Indiana's uh, coverage teams, they're, they're going to have to look out for Solomon Vault and, and hope that Griffin Oaks could get this quad issue taken care of and, and start booming kicks through the end zone, uh, although that's an area where Aaron Del Grosso has been good as, as in touchbacks. He's had one kickoff this year and, you know, in hindsight, was that because Griffin Oaks had had tweaked the quad or was that just because they wanted to get him uh, some some run in a game on kickoffs, but he's a guy who could kick it out of the uh, end zone as well. So I, I think those two and starting field position is, is going to be uh, key as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Solomon Volk's dangerous, uh, dangerous kicker-turner in a game where the margin figures to be um, fairly close. You know, plays like that can certainly uh, change the game is Vault's uh, returning against Michigan State last week came at a time when uh, the Spartans had a lot of momentum, and, and Vault was able to, to stem that and put the game away for Northwestern. So um, you don't want to allow them to have any big plays on special teams, and it would be great if Indiana could uh, – they had one last week with the block punt, so it would be great if Indiana could have something like that, that this week again that could uh, kind of well, change two. momentum. Yeah, Mitchell, or, Mitchell Page had a –
1: yeah. Well, Mitchell Page had a great kick return, too. I think it was 39 yeah. yards. Uh, he's a That's guy true. who, if you, have, if you have Simi Cobbs healthy and you have Jason Harris healthy, he's yeah. a guy maybe yeah. if you wanted to spark something up on uh, kick returns, you put him back there. He was a terrific returner in high school. He's been a terrific punt returner for IU, uh, a guy who can not yeah, make people it. miss and go, but you can't risk. Uh, losing a, a guy like Mitchell Page on offense after losing no. uh, Timmy Cobbs and Jay Sean Harris. So it's, no. uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, I thought it might be possible, but now it's, you, you can't take that risk. And, and you're in real trouble on offense if you lose Page uh, like that. But, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. I, I You know, the, the season, this is a key three-game stretch, TJ, with, with Northwestern and then Maryland and traveling to Rutgers it's a stretch yep. where if IU gets out 2 out of 3 uh with wins you're in great shape uh, heading into the, the final um in the final 3 games uh with Penn State, Michigan and Purdue uh to end the season. I uh, you know if if you win this one you could start talking about, you know, seven wins. Um if you drop yep. this one, six is still right there uh 7 could still be there uh but most likely um you, you know to me next week's game against Maryland is is the uh is the pivot point on on the teeter-totter that is IU football sure. um
0: so with that
1: going forward uh what are your predictions for Saturday
0: I I'll be honest I really have no clue what to expect uh, on Saturday I, I expect a close game uh, but beyond that, I, I just I don't know. Um, we are asked to pick predictions, and I would rather just go all in with uh, with being optimistic. And I'm not just high in the sky. I do think this is a very realistic possibility. Uh, I'll take Indiana to win on Saturday. And then for those that follow this kind of thing, it's expected to be kind of a toss-up game. I mean, these are – it's like a – I think it's a one, one-and-a-half – two-point spread uh, in favor of Northwestern, which is basically just home field. So these two teams are viewed as pretty much equal, Um, and I'll I'll take Indiana to have a good day on offense, continue to play pretty well on defense, and then get a a very back-and-forth tight victory, which should be big for morale and obviously big for the rest of the season. Uh, I'll go with uh, with Griffin Oaks actually hitting a couple of field goals, Indiana winning at 27-24.
1: Ooh, um, that, that's a, a bold prediction, TJ. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to think that IU wins this one, uh, but there are a lot. Don't, of, don't get about it, but Why not? Yeah, there are a lot of factors that go into it. It's it's a noon game. It's an 11 a.m. game up in uh, local time in Evanston. It's usually a sleepy start, and, and that's the issue that IU had last week. Was you know. He started in a 17-0 hole and just couldn't dig out of it. So um, if IU starts well, um, you know, set set the alarms a little bit earlier um, and, and avoid that. It's not jet lag because you're just going to Chicago, but avoid that that 11 a.m. slop um, sloppiness. Yeah. I, I think they'll have a, have a shot and, and open up the offense. But uh, Northwestern is a good team. They're playing really oh, good yeah. football right now. Um, and, and um, you know, IU is – there. there's a lot in question with them, with their offense. Can this – you know, this defense – I'm sold that they're improved, but this defense is now overdue for one of those games where they have, you know, more than, than one or two breakdowns or one or more than uh, one or two bounces that go the other way. But I will um, be Johnny Optimism uh, – with you and, and say IU breaks out of their offensive slump um, and, and uh, you know, finally wins at Evanston for the first time since 1993 and, uh, and wins the game. I'm going to go 31, 24. Uh, hopefully uh, they throw the ball downfield, uh, get to, get off to a quick start. Um, usually they started pretty well in Evanston. I know, uh 2007 and 2009 I, I believe they got at the big leads and just couldn't hold on um so I, I'm going to take IU to win this one uh 3124 and uh you know roll into the next two games with with Maryland and Rutgers uh but I have been wrong before I do not have a good feeling uh, about it but uh, I I think that this is you know Indiana usually plays their their best football after a a bad loss and Nebraska was a game that it wasn't a bad loss, like, like Wake forest, but it was a, a bad loss that they should have won. Um, and, and had a chance to, uh, make some history there. So they're resilient. I, I think they come in and, and open up the offense and, and put some points on the board.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think that, uh, not that one of us are incredibly confident at all. I'm, um, uh, Certainly trepidatious about about this one, but it's um, it's a game that's going to be there for for any of to have a chance, and there's no doubt there. I think it's a classic toss-up, so it's all about you know who shows up on that day and plays better, because I think both teams are very capable of winning this one if they if they put on an A game. So uh, hopefully, yeah, um, hopefully the team we know is capable of showing up uh, does, and and we are right, talking on on Sunday or Monday with a uh, big positive feeling towards the rest of the season. We'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see and and I'll put this caveat in my prediction to cover both sides. If IU plays like they did against Nebraska in terms of play calling, they're not going to win this game. It's, you know, you cannot be conservative um and get down 17 nothing and hope um you know Northwestern's going to make mistakes and and not run the ball like uh nebraska did to keep them in uh in it you know if they come out and throw the ball deep and, and my prediction is based on that they changed their offense a little bit in terms of taking shots uh, if they come out and run the ball try to establish the run before throwing it they're gonna they're the, it's not gonna be a good day for iu and, and fans are gonna be really frustrated and and hitting twitter pretty hard and, and making me laugh but um you know to me my predictions based just based on that they have to change the offense they got to take some shots downfield and and hopefully the coaching staff does that and uh makes those adjustments and and really um put some pressure on the on the northwestern defense and, and not to get off to a slow start like 17 nothing but if you do have a shot to take a lead and, and get a lead, because now two out of the last three games you've been behind uh, at some point in the game by two scores, you know, before IU's been on the board, um, just get points early if, if you can. And if you have if they gift you a good field position, you got to put it in for seven. Um, mm-hmm. And really, you know, there should be a lot of IU fans up there uh, proportionally to, to the Northwestern fans. And get those those uh, guys into the game and and making some noise. Otherwise, you're going to have you know people jumping ship at the first sign of of a wave. Um, you know when when something goes wrong. So uh, hopefully they they can adjust and and make those adjustments and and come out and, and win because a win here and you're sitting sitting pretty for getting your sixth win on uh, on November fifth in. In in, uh, Piscataway, and then taking some pressure off the rest of the season, and you know you you have your ball secured, and and you could you know just play with that you know without that pressure and just enjoy the rest of the season and and try and knock off uh, Penn State, Michigan, and Purdue. So these next three games are key. TJ, I I know we've beaten that uh, horse to death, but uh, thanks for joining us um, and, and listening to us. TJ, have a have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties. We'll find a better uh, better room closer to the Wi-Fi uh,
0: router. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. And uh, thanks, everybody. Have a good week.
1: Yep, keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com uh, for all your IU football analysis and stories. Uh, we'll be in Evanston. It's a noon kick on BTN. Uh, so you know, set your alarms a little early. Uh, you know, nice lunch and a lunch and a beverage at noon. Um, if you're in the Chicago area, it's a a nine a or eleven a m local game. Um, you know, if if you're going to the game, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let let us know where where you're tailgating, where you're sitting. Uh, we'd love to stop by and and chat some IU football. Um, and, and we'll see we'll see uh, where it goes from here. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle and uh, come back often. And uh, once again, we apologize for the technical difficulties today.
0: Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. percent